Welcome to the Commerce Tomorrow podcast. Your one stop to learn about the technology that's powering the future of commerce. Here are your hosts, Dirk and Kelly. All right, welcome to another edition of the Commerce Tomorrow podcast. I'm joined by 3Share CEO, Jess Moore. Welcome, Jess. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. And unfortunately, my co-host Dirk is out sick with the flu today, so we wish him well. Unfortunate day for him to be out. <laughs> well, so, I'll do my best uh, to be a good uh, co-host slash guest. <laughs> Great. So, uh, Jess, thanks for joining us. Uh, we wanted to bring you on the show to talk about the entrepreneurship side of technology. Um, Jess was one of the co-founders and is now the CEO of 3Share which is one of the largest Adobe SIs. You were acquired in 2015 by the Publicis Group, which is a well-known group of agencies out there. And uh, I think there's a lot of interesting things that we're gonna be talking about over the next uh, 45 minutes, give or take. So with that, uh, do you wanna just tell us a little bit about 3Share and how you founded the company? Yeah, sure. So. Um First of all, I've always been the CEO since day one, the CEO. That's one of the benefits yeah. of uh, starting your own company. I'm pretty sure nobody would actually <laughs> let me be a CEO. <laughs> so, so I had to start, I had to start my own company uh, to do it. But yes, so it's pretty interesting how, how we started. Um, I used to work for a company called Oracle. I think everybody <laughs> knows uh, Oracle and probably you've all heard rumblings of what it's like to work at Oracle. I could tell you, um, what you've heard is probably <laughs> as, an, as an Oracle vet myself, I, uh, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> oh yeah. It's, it, it's great. Uh, rolling those, uh, authorizations up to H HQ H, apps H, H, was HQ apps for <laughs> a, uh, <laughs> yeah, for, for permission to do a $19,000 deal yeah. at, at the 22%, uh, gross margins. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, I used to run ACS, which is a, um, a consulting organization within uh, uh, Oracle. And prior to that, I came into Oracle through acquisition from Sun, where I ran their software practice um, in Europe and then emerging markets. And I had a, a couple positions there. But uh, during the Oracle acquisition, uh, we found that it just wasn't really a, a match for me. Um, and so while I'm, uh, working through some things for my boss, I get a, uh, 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 an instant message from one of my peers who was uh, running some emerging markets. And, uh, and he said, uh, Jess, have you looked at org chart? I said, no, well, let me take a look. Fire org chart. And I went from normally had about 1500 employees that worked for me. <laughs> Well, uh, no, I have to. Oh, yeah, that'll do it right there. <laughs> that'll do it. So uh, I call my boss. I'm like, what is going on? Uh, it's, uh, obviously, something is foot. Um, appears I have two employees now, uh, down from what I, what I have had. And uh, he did it kind of the way they do it there, which is, hey, guy, nothing to worry about. We're just moving some things around. Not a big yeah. deal. Just making some changes. And that's when I realized, well, looks like my time could be limited at Oracle. Because at Oracle, they don't really fire you. Sometimes they do. But what they really do, <laughs> they yeah, turn right. down the oxygen. 
<laughs> and uh, and so I'm sitting around that night, and I'm and I'm thinking to myself, hmm, what am I going to do? Um, it's going to take a while to find a big job, and then uh, you know I'm online and I get driven to Adobe's website by my uh, Adobe <laughs> reader, which is so ho- hopelessly out of date, by the way, that it physically it didn't even I didn't even get the the option to to ignore. It just drove me straight to Adobe. It's like a website. sign, right? <laughs> and re- <laughs> yeah, also probably a, a, a sign on how I run my life. But anyway, <laughs> so it goes, uh, I go to the Adobe website and right there in the news section is an announcement that they are acquiring day software. Um, and that there was going to be a change of control. In, I think it was like October timeframe of 2010. And, um, right there, I, I knew this was, this was going to be a great opportunity. See, I knew most of the people at day software because prior to company that I used to be the VP of sales for called Neogent, which was subsequently acquired by sun, we did a ton of day software implementations. And maybe remind our listeners what day was and what they, what they do and what their product became. Yeah, so Day Software was a, oh, you're going to love this term. Remember this one? <laughs> ECM, yeah. Enterprise Content Management. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, it was, a, it was an ECM uh, uh, tool. Like, I'm going to take you way back memory lane, like, like a vignette or any of the others that were being uh, uh, sold in the early 2000s uh, to take the power of changing your websites, yep. making up website updates, uh, out of the hands of IT and into the hands of the business. And there was a ton of business done during that, that time period. And Day Software was a European company based out of Basel who came to the US. There's some great customers in Europe. They had Audi, they had most of the German companies. Um, and they set a small team over to the US in 2001 and they started knocking down big deals like McDonald's and you know uh, US operations and DHL and just a ton of others. And my company uh, got involved with doing uh, implementations. And so it was us and one other company that did the lion's share of the implementations during that time frame. Uh, so think like 2001 through 2006. So I knew all the guys over at Day Software. So when Adobe bought Day Software, um, it, became, it became Adobe Experience Manager which is kind of the heart of their digital marketing cloud, right? And so with that came, you know, the dam and, and, and all the pieces of, you know, it's the content portion of, uh, yeah, because before that it was just Omniture, right? Basically. And it's in- yeah, it was, it was interesting how they went about it. Uh, for sure. They, the first acquisition, because before right. this, it was just, just the creative stuff, right? All the shrink rep software that we'd ordered come in a box or you could download. And then they jumped into Omniture, which was the analytics piece. And then just a couple of years later, uh, they pulled the trigger on the digital market, the, uh, the content management piece. And that really started to, um, to change, fundamentally change Adobe. Um, it was the first time that they were really selling enterprise software. And when I say enterprise software, I mean software that you actually take to a customer and you deploy on-premises or on-prem or out in the cloud and it's t- 
teams that are doing full lifecycle deployments as opposed to installing software or just, you know, integrating tags into a page so you can yeah. do some tracking. Yeah, because before that, it was, you're right, it was just, it was Photoshop and a few of the other creative products, and then they started building this marketing business. So yeah, it makes sense they would acquire Day. Yeah, and they've done a really good job, if you think about it. If you look at how many acquisitions that companies have done that have just just absolutely stunk it up, you know, they, they, they came in and uh, the first year, um, you know, uh, they've literally grown their digital marketing business 20%, like a kegger 20% year on year for like, yeah, yeah it's remarkable. Their stock price is reflective of that as well. I mean, it's, they've doubled in just the past year, right? Something like that. Um, <laughs> absolutely. Well, and you know, tying that, tying that back into where I was when I started three share, I see that they're buying day software. Now I knew the guys at day, um, it, you know, they had about probably 17 sales guys. Um, they probably had 50 people or less in their prof professional services organization. And, um, they were doing about 40 million. And I just knew as soon as Adobe gold out, you know, roughly 260 <laughs> enterprise level sales yeah, guys with deep exactly. relationships, <laughs> right? Deep relationships on the marketing side and the IT side. I knew that the capacity, there was just not going to be enough capacity. So, uh, got on the blower. Uh, I called up some friends at, uh, at day software. I said, you guys, we need to get this partnership through, uh, before change of control, <laughs> because if Adobe knew <laughs> that, like I could, after change of control, I couldn't go to Adobe and say, Hey, um, I'm starting a partner. Uh, I'm starting a company. Right. And exactly. There's nobody working here. <laughs> can, can we join the part? I knew that wouldn't work. Um, but through some relationships, we're able to spin up the partnership and in probably within 72 hours before change of control, uh, our partnership, <laughs> which was basically me. And, uh, and my one partner, uh, Rich Brown, the other co-founder who's, uh, who was, uh, <laughs> we got the partnership and it went over with all the other partners. And so in the period, uh, between October and the first of the year, 2011, Rich and I were feverishly trying to stand up a, uh, a systems integration company that could uh, do some business starting uh, day one, which is what we did. Um, we got a bunch of the old guys back together and uh, <laughs> um, we convinced them to jump on over. Um, we did our first deal wow. January 1st when we launched our website, actually uh, started doing some work for Adobe that very, that very day. And then from there we built the business, you know, it's, it's been an interesting, interesting and the rest is history you know i'm road. a student of entrepreneurship i actually have an undergraduate degree in, in entrepreneurship and i just love the starting of businesses and raising capital and you know the whole business side of technology it's fascinating so did, uh, tell me a little bit about three share today how many people um some customers you have um and how did you get from zero to that point because yeah. You make it sound so easy, right? We got our first contract and then magically we got sold to one of the largest SIs in the world, one of the largest agencies. You know, how does, uh, how does that all work? <laughs> What's your story? <laughs> well, you have to be very skilled. Not everybody can do this. You need a very <laughs> highly skilled leader like myself who can navigate. 
I'm kidding. Um, a lot of it was a lot of it was uh, was luck. A lot of you know, I, I'm a firm believer that there are some things yeah. that just have to happen to hit the next level, and those things happened, right? So, so the first year that we started, we, we knew from day one that this company was going to the exit was going to be acquisition. So we structured the business that way. Um, you know, we kept very clean books. Um, that was a big thing that we were hyper-focused on making sure that our books were as clean as possible. Um, and then, and then we got ultra focused. So, uh, before we got on the call, we talked a little bit about how, you know, Adobe is all we do. And it's funny when I was spinning this up and coming up with the idea, I talked to a ton of mentors that I've had over, over time and, and some peers that have, that have started, um, systems integrations, companies and consulting firms. And everybody said the same thing. You know, you got to have more than one uh, tool in your bag. You can't just do Adobe. You need to, to, to do like an Adobe and a site. Mm -hmm. You know, pick a couple of different content management vendors to work with. Feather in uh, some other technologies. That way, if something's not hitting, you'll have other um, you'll have other S, uh, ISVs that may be doing a little bit better. And, um, but my thought was when it comes time to be acquired, you know, usually they're acquiring you for a single technology capabilities on a single technology. Um, and a lot of the stuff they don't know what to do with. And I've been in, in part of a number of acquisitions, you know, where they, they say, okay, we're going to buy you for your identity management capabilities. Oh, now we've got this vignette practice that yeah, we don't know what to exactly. do with. Right. And you can either, and they end up just, it ends up dis disintegrating. So, um, we decided to go a mile deep on, on the Adobe technologies. The other thing that, that they said is mm -hmm. you don't know how this works. The way it works is you need to bring, you need to bring the ISV leads. That's how you will get your leads and you're behind the sales cycle. Mm -hmm. If you only do Adobe, nobody's ever going to talk. Nobody's going to ask you what you right. recommend. Right. So, hey, what do you think, Adobe or Sitecore? Yeah. Well, right. Really do Adobe, exactly. You already know what the answer is. Right. So you you're always behind. We'd always be behind Adobe in uh, uh, in terms of the sales cycle, and that was absolutely true. But I also knew from you know running services at Sun that there's a huge appreciation for people that are very deep, for partners that are really deep that can go in and make uh, customers successful, yep. make them referenceable, especially making them refer refer referenceable or making problems go away. And, um, and these types of, <laughs> these types of requests usually come from, you know, the people on the ground, not people that are, you know, not, not major leadership, but the folks on the ground that are trying to get, you know, um, right. software sold customers happy. And we found a, a real niche where because of our, our, our deep skill sets on the product, we were able to really help Adobe um, be successful, especially early, uh, especially early on when they were getting new customers and trying to make them uh, successful mm -hmm. and really learning how to be a, a services organization mm -hmm. and, a, and a software organization. And in fact, it was funny. <laughs> we were we became so entwined with their sales team um, that 
that first year, I mean, we were probably, first year we probably grew to about 17 people. Um, we, we were invited to be, become part of the, mm -hmm. their partner advisory board. And it was wild because, you know, 12 months before, <laughs> it was just me and Rich staring across a, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, a folding out table, Costco fold out table from a bake sale uh, at each other um, to, you know, walking into a room uh, at Adobe's headquarters and sitting down with, you know, the, the sapients were there, the Accentures, large, large SIs and, and us and, and Adobe, you know, just as concerned with what we had to say and our, um, you know, right. our perspective on the market as anybody else. So we were one of seven companies that, uh, that originally started, I believe, uh, on the, on the, on that. And then the way we kind of trucked through it was, um, very pragmatic. You know, we started small, um, by doing mostly work for Adobe professional services. So they were called at the time. Um, we were doing a lot of training because their training organization hadn't been set up yet. And so we, did, we also did a lot of training. I would say most of our revenue, our first year was around training and, uh, uh, training and, you know, s subbing for Adobe. Uh, the next year we got some critical mass and we started doing our own projects. Um, I remember Polycom was our, was probably our first project that we did, uh, soup to nuts. And, um, and then we just started to build on that. The, the other interesting thing that we brought on that second year towards the end of the second year was a managed service uh, called remote operations management for AEM. And what's, what's significant about that is we were doing, it's the first time anybody was doing a managed service for AEM is before Adobe was pushing yep. the managed, their own managed service. And, uh, and, uh, and so as a result, now we're the second largest managed service provider of, of Adobe. Products yeah. That's a good business to in be in. It's good, stable, long-term yeah, recurring revenue. It's, it's, makes perfect sense. <laughs> it is. Yes. It, it's <laughs> nice to know that your bills are paid. You know, that you can look forward and see that, hey, if things get lean, at least I can pay my bells yeah, for, for sure. a, good, a good And good how many time. people are you at today as a company? For sure. We're a little over, okay. a little over 100, close to 120, I think. And, uh, yeah, it's, we were acquired in 2014 by the Publicis Group. And uh, that was also, you know, I mean, it was pivotal for us. I think it was third third, fourth year of our five-year business plan. And um, we actually had a number of offers at that time because the, the technology was getting so hot that most of the larger agencies and um, SIs wanted to be able to have turnkey capability, yeah. right? A turnkey practice. And that's where it really becomes so important to keep, A, keep your books clean. And I think that's also where it's really important to have that focus. I think if, if we would have had they were obviously looking at lots of people. Um, but I think when you compare, you know, if you're going to make an acquisition and you're looking at two companies and one has, you know, 50 people, uh, doing, you know, whatever technology you're interested in. And, have, and then there's another 150 people mm -hmm. yeah. doing stuff you don't care about <laughs> that have been around for 10 years and have, 
you know, investors that have come in and out and series A and series B and series C's and all this craziness versus you find one that has, you know, the same amount of people. That's all they have super clean books and no other practices. It becomes a no brainer and you can, you can, you know, it, you can do a, uh, a real strategic. Yeah, I've seen a lot of these SIs, and we work with a number of them at Commerce Tools. They've kind of been flailing, and they can't quite decide if they're going to be lifestyle businesses, right? Um, or if they're actually going to be laser focused on a specific practice. Um, we also have the issue of, uh, of just lack of specialization, right? So they'll do a little bit of everything, right? A lot of our partners do a little bit of hybrids, a little bit of Commerce Tools, a little bit of Oracle Commerce, you know. And they can't quite decide, you know, are, are we a hybris SI? Are we a commerce tools SI? Right. And it's, they're very opportunistic and they're not terribly strategic. Um, yeah. And that's challenging. Uh, it's a challenging spot to be in, but. Uh, well, and I think, it, I think it also opens them up, you know, it, when they go to compete for, for, for implementations, you know, I think it, it opens them up a bit to the competition. If you have a, a laser focused um, company that's, you know, only doing, you know, say Hybris, for example, or, or any of the others. Right. You know, and they say, this is all we do. <laughs> you know, being, I can tell you, I, I can tell you this 100%. Being an expert on, uh, on Adobe's mm -hmm. digital marketing cloud is, oh, is for sure. hard. We wake up, we wake up every day and this is all we do. We live and breathe it. Every, every process in the organization is geared towards how can we do it better? Um, how can we, how can we get deeper? How can we apply more velocity into standing this stuff up so that you can get to run and operate quicker? Um, to, to, to be an expert in five different technologies. Oh, for sure. Impossible. Yeah, absolutely. It's just impossible. And what you end up getting is you end up getting one or two experts who are really good at the, at the technology. And right. then you get a bunch of people who right. are on the bench. Lumpy, lumpiness of your bench. Uh, yeah. No, I've seen that for sure. They shoot. Something, and maybe you can offer some guidance. Yeah, um, there sure. are a lot of SIs that we work with at Commerce Tools um, that were very focused on Oracle Commerce, right? And that previously that was ATG. That's the world I came out of. And they followed the same model as 3Share, yeah. but with ATG at the time. And they did that in the 90s, the 2000s. Um, and that was a good business for quite a long time. But it seems Oracle has shelved that whole legacy on-prem business. The new cloud offering does not seem to be doing terribly well. And those implementations have gone from 2 3 $4 million down to 50 or 100K for the new cloud-based implementations. And I see a lot of these SIs just yeah. really flailing out there and they'll say, well, maybe we'll do demandware next, or maybe we'll do this, or maybe we'll do that. I guess it's a long-winded way of asking if you've put all your eggs in one basket, you know, what happens when that company is no longer investing in that product? And, you know, say Adobe were to sell off their marketing cloud to Microsoft, right? And now you're in the Microsoft ecosystem and all of a sudden all the work dries up. Yeah. You know, how, how do you protect yourself against that? I guess, besides cashing out and having a lot of money in the bank. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, let, let me, let me do that in a round. Cause we covered, you covered a lot there. Um, let, let me give you my thoughts on Oracle just real quickly. Um, you know, Oracle's coming. 
um, I've worked for Oracle. I've learned as, as, as much as I have fun, you know, kind of playing with the notion of it's a difficult place to work. Um, make no mistake, they know how to operate a business and they will figure this out for sure. Uh, I think um, implementations are going down across the board in terms of how much, how much you can, it's the, the same amount of dollars are there. The same amount of work is there as there's always been, but you know, it's very, it's, it's not very often we see people that want to do any type of big bang, long, strung out deployment. And we don't, we counsel people against it. I mean, we've seen MVP launches. People want to stand up something quick, get it running, build momentum and go. So I think there's, there's, there's some of that. Um, it's pre- with the market going in that direction, it's very difficult for some of the larger SIs in particular to embrace that because their whole business model <laughs> is, is basically built on, hey, we need big projects because if they have these huge development centers in India or around the world, they've got to keep everybody working. So if they're not going to get, you know, a million, a couple million, right. three million, four million out of the gate, you know, that's, it becomes very difficult uh, for them from a business perspective. Um, yeah, so I, I, I definitely am not counting Oracle out of anything. Um, well, and I'll give you an example why. When we came over from Sun, you know, and I was running uh, a PS over there. And so I came in and I took over um, their consulting in North America. It's called ACS. Uh, yes. It's also <laughs> OCS. But ACS is, uh, is advanced support services. And it's more of the, the, it does a lot of what OCS does. In fact, sometimes they compete oh, against I've been in the middle of some here. of those disputes, by the way. So I, uh, <laughs> I feel your pain on that one. Yep. But we did an exercise, which was, uh, it was actually really eye-opening for me. But we, we listed all of our prof- professional services, um, uh, service, you know, the, the discrete services that we offered. And we looked at the margin of every single one of them. And leadership, uh, you know, in Oracle just made a line. They said, hey, gross margins um, under 30%, we're not interested, not doing it anymore. Push to partners, whatever. We're going to focus on these. They took a billion dollar business and cut it in half. Said, we're just not doing that. So obviously everybody was like, oh my gosh. What is happening? But at the time, you know, these, this, the, the margins weren't, 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 were, they were not up to Oracle standards coming over uh, from Sun. And what ended up happening is they built back that business. And they're, I'm, I'm sure they're well beyond what we, were, what we were doing at Sun. But that entire book of business now has, is a super high margin business. So by making some tough decisions pretty quickly mm-hmm. and really smart, they took a they took a business that was a billion dollars, you know, running at probably seventeen or twenty percent, you know, you know, gross margins maybe, and turned it into a just a crazy high margin business. So you got. I do give or- you Oracle give props for credit that. on knowing how to run a business. Uh, that is the one of the very few things I will give them credit on, yeah. but. I'm still not sure they're going to figure it out, but uh, I guess that's a good discussion for beer sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that will be. Um, so, getting back to what happens if uh, if the Adobe if Adobe is no longer you know the 
their growth stops. And, uh, and where does that leave three share as a one trick pony? Um, well, it's an interesting question. One that we've definitely uh, thought about for years and, you know, wondering, wondering when that could happen um, or if it will happen. It's funny. The, uh, the, the first year I said, I think this, this is, this is three to five year opportunity. And then the next day I said, oh, it's three, three, five year opportunity. <laughs> yeah. And the next just year, keeps going. I've been saying this every year. Just, just 20 times. Um, I think they're figuring it out. I mean, I really do. They're really pioneering in the, in, in, in the space and, and, and they're interconnecting all the different acquisitions into, you know, one platform that uh that can that is interconnected and can really bring you know content from creation now they're it's integrating with the creative cloud so you're really seeing content go from where it's the ideation to the creation all the way to delivering it to the right person at the right time and measuring it and doing it over so it's it, that's actually starting to happen um interesting i've always been a fan of uh of island hopping so we look and we see what we can, mm-hmm. what, what's not a stretch for us. And so, and that's how we did it um, within the cloud. We started with AEM and then we started doing some analytics and campaign and feathering in everything. So I'm, I, I feel fairly comfortable over the course of time that Adobe will be bringing in um, enough kind of newish technologies where it will be a good long time before yeah, and we get what do you stale. think their commerce strategy is overall? So we've we've seen them try to buy Hybris before and some others, but it doesn't seem like they quite, you know, what's their, I guess, what are they doing? What's your perspective on this side? Because that would be a next logical place for them to make some investments. You know, I think that um, I would not even speculate on what their what their strategy is in terms of, of acquisition or, or, or whether or not they want to be anything other than the glass. Um, but I can tell you that e-commerce is back without a doubt. We've seen that this year for sure. And the overarching, uh, notion that we see in e-commerce this time is that it's not about, you know, it's definitely about uh, microservices and it, it's about Adobe being the glass and it's about driving, you know, they, they throw the term around, we hear it all the time, experience driven commerce. Um, and that's, you know, that's kind of what we're seeing this year. I think probably 2012, 2013, Hybris was the big thing and, you know, they just got acquired and they were doing lots and lots of, uh, deployments where AEM and Hybris were going in together at the same time and connecting to each other. And, um, I, I don't think that the, I don't think that clients, you know, the, the companies that were using it really, really liked how hard it was to get it all to work, right? The in doing a full life cycle e-commerce implementation <laughs> while you're concurrently doing you know, a, con- a content management uh, implementation and then integrating the two to all work together. I think that was hard, expensive. Oh, for sure. Work. <laughs> and, it cer- and it certainly doesn't fit into where, where we're seeing the market going in terms of MVP 
type launches. So I think it's been, it's come swung back around, but it's swung back around in, hey, how can we leverage, you know, microservices and create experiences through this great experience engine that Adobe has and just plug in, you know, the the right commerce experience at the right yeah. place. Yeah, no, that makes perfect that makes sense. sense. Uh, yeah, it, the world used to be these monolithic commerce platforms and they would have their own life cycle and then the front end would have theirs. And it was never very clear from a customer standpoint who owned the glass and where the commerce platform stopped and the experience platform began. And I think with what you're talking about with this resurgence, yeah. it's pretty clear, right? There's a new breed of these commerce platforms out there or people are just building it themselves at the top end of the market. And there they're, you're consuming from the experience yeah. side, you're consuming some of these commerce APIs, this functionality as a service. And there it's pretty clear where the commerce stops and where experience begins. And you can kind of weave it together and create a nice experience. So it's good you're seeing that. Well, and you never know also where it's going to end up, right? It could end up in the, uh, in mm-hmm. the cabin of an oh, automobile, absolutely. right? <laughs> That's completely integrated with your calendar and, and, um, and everything. And it, and it could know that, hey, you've got a hot date and you might need something from you may need some additional performance from that car that can be offered at the right time at the right price for the yeah. right period of time to impress somebody you know it could be could be something like that it could be you know what you're seeing now um you know i do a lot of traveling i'm sure you do too have you have you been to like newark or, or houston and now there's just ipads everywhere yes. and you sit down and you're just staring at an ipad or when you order food minneapolis has the, the same you don't thing. talk it's to anybody home. anymore <laughs> So, um, you know, there's just, it's presenting itself in so many different places and in so many different ways now that it has to be, it has to be flexible enough to be able to, to integrate with so many different places, which is such a great reason for microservices. I have one more question about your business and then I want to talk more about commerce tomorrow, I guess, title of podcast, right? Um, I've seen a big change with SIs out there. Uh, and we see this across the board as well. Look at all the layoffs at IBM, for example. Um, technology of 10 or 15 years ago required a lot more people, right? You had to deploy things. You had to babysit things in production. Yeah. Um, there was just a lot of development work that needed to happen. And now with microservices, with real cloud taking off, right? Real in, in air quotes there. Um, there's this whole new ecosystem of technology that eliminates large swaths of what was done before. And in talking to friends who run other SIs, they said that their bill rate is almost doubled. Um, you know, their, their blended rate is almost doubled because they need far fewer people, but those people need to be far more specialized. And I'm wondering if you're seeing the same thing and how that's impacted your business. Um, well, I agree. I think the things that, that, um, that impact the bill rate are... Um, well, it's scarcity yes, resources, for sure. <laughs> number one, and that's usually tied to emerging technologies will drive a high, a high, real, a high bill rate. And then the, the skill set, uh, without a doubt, um, I, we're definitely seeing, and, and I agree that it's, it's less people, but I think you're right. People are wearing many hats now, um, with the type of deployments that we do, you know, we don't see <laughs> clients don't like when you when you bring in 
hey, we got a program manager and we got this, we got, you got 15 titles that you don't even understand anymore um, that are going to be part of this project and feathering in and out. It, it feels like clients are interested in some, some core type titles, right? They're interested in developers. They're interested in uh, maybe a senior developers, right? They're interested in architects. Um, they're interested in uh, business analysts, and project managers. And once mm -hmm. you start to get beyond those roles, this, you know, there, there's not the appetite that I think there used to be for, for much beyond that. So you need people that, that can do a lot, right? And in our business, we have our, our, our project management uh, folks, um, also our business analysts and our art and all of our architects, mm -hmm. well, they can roll up their sleeves and they can code. And um, so and they all have this overarching notion of how business operates too. So I think you're right. Um, the question is, does that translate to a higher bill rate? Um, well, at the same time, all this is happening, it's getting more and more co competitive. So um, I don't think we've seen a, a steep jump in, um, in the actual mm -hmm. hourly bill rate over time. But what I have seen is as we get better and as we are creating IP that increases velocity, that margins. Yeah. And, you know, my, my home space is commerce, right? Um, and we've definitely seen it in the commerce space where there's this upskilling that's required. So it's interesting to see that you haven't witnessed that as much in the more content side of this or the experience side. But in our space, I mean, all this technology has just devastated longstanding professions, right? You used to have to have a Cisco certified networking expert of some sort, right? And that was a multi-year program to configure a router. Yeah. And now you just create a network virtually, right? So you need an architect who knows the entire stack. Yeah. And that replaces a, a couple network admins, a couple storage admins. I mean, it, security, right? It's just remarkable how quickly technology is evolving. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we also see pressure, you know, from offshore. Uh, most of our team is based in the U.S. And then we also, uh, about a third of the companies in Argentina. But, um, but we, don't, we don't operate with Argentina as a traditional kind of offshore uh, model. Uh, they work back and forth here in, in the United States and the rates for our Argentina are, are, are the same. And in fact, we pay them what they would make if they were up here. And as a result, our attrition in Argentina has been, you know, I think it's been close to zero over the last six years. And in fact, I'm proud of this fact. <laughs> our our, act, our uh, attrition at three share, and this will probably get more into culture than anything, is... Um, I would say since 2011, January 1st, maybe six people wow. have left uh, wow. on their own. So uh, let's say that's a, that's a no, that's, that's, that that's great to hear. Um, and I think people forget that is it's not just about high salaries. It's about creating a culture, uh, a place where people enjoy working. And I think that comes, I mean, you have to have competitive pay, of course, but when it comes down to it, people don't leave because they get offered 20% more somewhere else. They leave because they don't like where they're working anymore and what they're doing. That is exactly, that is exactly right.
And it also helps with the, the rest of the business. I mean, if you look at what drives a business forward, there's our, there's revenue, <laughs> there's margin, there's operating income. If you're looking at a professional services organization, yep. there's utilization, utilization, all this stuff. And what we've definitely found is that if you've created an environment that, um, that the employees are love coming to work every day. And, and by the way, you've hired the right employees that are kind of optimistic in nature and kind of fun to be around and, um, are not jerks or not, you know, they're just, they're good, fun, outgoing people. You, and you give them a, a place to thrive and the, uh, the, uh, ability to, to execute and make decisions. Um, all that other stuff seems to fall yeah. into place. No, a exactly. It's true. That's absolutely true. So looking forward, what do you see as uh, the next wave of commerce, right? We've talked a little bit about APIs and microservices and being able to inject commerce anywhere. Um, so what's some technology you're interested in? So voice, for example, conversational commerce, um, artificial intelligence. Are you seeing any trends starting to form anything that you're investing in? I think that um, I'm seeing it like anecdotally, like you're seeing it, you know, the ability to buy stuff on Alexa in terms of voice, that type of stuff. Um, are we seeing it in the field right now? We, we haven't because this is the early stages. Um, so I agree. Voice is definitely going to be something that is, that is interesting, uh, interesting over time. I think, I think, you know, I, one of the, it's the internet of things, right? <laughs> I think the ability to do e-commerce in places that you never thought you'd be doing e-commerce is, is, is going to be interesting uh, in the future. Who would have ever thought you'd be buying stuff in your car? I never would have thought that. Um, or buying stuff in, in airplanes in a, in a variety of ways or at the airport. In a bar. I think that's the exciting stuff for me to see how, as, a, as a little bit of a geek <laughs> to see how that unfolds. How it becomes part of your daily life, not a destination. I think it's a pretty big difference. Yeah. And then, you know, looking forward, um, how do you keep your employees' skills current, right? So things are moving very quickly, both in terms of technology, but also in terms of business models as well. And how do you make sure your employees are staying current, staying relevant, and, uh, and engaged in what they do? Step one, hire employees that have a motor. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Enthusiasm. That, that, that are curious. I think that's probably the biggest thing. If you can hire people that are, that are kind of genuinely curious about stuff, a lot of that happens on its own. Um, one of the things that set us apart early on, especially when the, the resources for these types of technologies was really scarce, was our ability to train ourselves and create an engine where you could look for loose attributes and then bring them up to speed rapidly. And we've continued to do that. You know, we bring people up through the organization, we train them. Of course, we do all the stuff that, um, you know, that, that, uh, that you're required to do in terms of keep, keeping up with certifications. Um, but <laughs> hire people that, uh, that are curious, that want to stay up to speed. Um, make it very clear that you're going to support them in being up to speed. And then invest in, you know, the internal stuff that uh, uh, engine to be able to, to, to nurture people along. And everything from fireside chats to very, you know, process oriented point A to point B. This is how you become, this is how you go from 
an architect to a senior architect. This is how you go from a senior developer to an architect. This is what you must achieve, and this is how you do it, and lay that out. So, do, do you have, kinda, and this is something I, I'm personally very interested in, do you have a parallel manager and individual contributor track? Because a lot of times within SIs and ISVs and others, the only way to get ahead is by getting a manager title. And you take a very good architect out of the field and promote them to a manager role, and then they're not, they may or may not be a good manager, but you've at least lost somebody who probably would have been happy staying an architect the rest of their career. How do you, how do you deal with that? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, it's challenging, especially in a small, relatively flat organization. Um, we operate, I'd, I'd call them, for lack of a better term, pods, where we have a managing partner who has anywhere from, you know, 12 to 16 people kind of reporting to them. And each of these pods have a variety of capabilities. Um, and then at, when a project comes, resources can be pulled from a number of different pods uh, to, to make things happen. It's not all projects come out of, out of, out of one pod. So the, the question is, how do you keep people excited about, hey, we're doing another project. <laughs> hey, guess what? You're, you get to be a developer on this project again. Um, you look for people that want to move along the continuum, but even then, uh, you know, how, far can, how far can you go? Some companies just keep coming up with different titles or you can feather in different technologies that they can get excited about. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, it, it kind of is what it is. And I think we, we all wake up sometimes and is, are sick of doing our job. Yeah. <laughs> Led Zeppelin, probably the, you know, the 550,000th time they rolled into uh, Minneapolis and played Stairway to Heaven like they've never played it before. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Like, oh, this is all there is. Yes. Yeah. I get to wake up again and play the exact same music <laughs> I played last night. Right. And pretend to enjoy that's, it. <laughs> part of it is, 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 is that's what it is. And you try to open up opportunities and the real superstars find the opportunities. Yeah. I think that's why you see, you know, quite a bit of, of movement in, in a lot of, in consulting in general. So we've been lucky that people seem to be happy here moving up you know where we can provide upward mobility and just keeping it exciting yeah i think that makes sense very good well any uh, final remarks before we close this episode no I, it's, it's great it was exciting to talk to you and certainly happy that you uh you had me on the podcast <laughs> thanks so much for joining us i i think you're a great role model for how to start and uh and maintain, I guess that's probably the most important part is maintain a successful SI. And I, I love your strategy of just going really deep on that one topic. It makes it easy to explain what you do and it makes it easy for uh, the sales reps at Adobe to, to co-sell with you. So I, uh, no, I commend you for your success. All right, with that, uh, thanks again for joining. Uh, the transcript, this episode and the transcript will be available at commercetomorrow.com. Uh, and you can find all of our other episodes there as well. So thanks again for listening and have a great day.